0: And we're live, Georgie Dinkov. How are you, sir?
1: <laughs> Glad to be back. <laughs> Catch- calling you from the asylum of and the uh, the the world's capital of of, um, of street shootings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which are continuing here in DC. Yeah,
0: well, somebody accused me of laughing laughing at inappropriate times, which is probably true, but I won't laugh at. This time, if you mention shooting, <laughs> oh, too <light-over>. late <laughs> already.
1: They are now shooting, basically. Like there, there have been three high-profile shootings on. I think I mentioned last time on Fourteenth Street in D.C., which is like the, the corridor where the the all the trendiest places are. Um, and basically, like it's it's all targeted shootings, and the only people getting hurt, unfortunately, are innocent bystanders, um, like from Ricochet bullets. Um, and the response of the police is, "Oh, um, let's start some troubled youth programs." Uh, and maybe these people will turn in their guns and they'll stop de- uh, dealing drugs and, and doing whatever they're doing and they're going to um, get involved. Uh, they'll enroll into a competitive embroidery class. I don't think so. <laughs> every They try this program every year and every time it's such a disaster that even in a democratic-run city, hardcore democratic city like D.C., um, like the council said, like we, we, we have to find a better use for the money because this is just not working. Uh, I don't think they'll spend on more police, but... Like that, that that whole like youth outreach program um, is not working, and and over the last couple of years, the people running it got assaulted by that youth. Like basically, that they were trying to, uh, um, you know, uh, make make them rejoin society. Uh, apparently, they're not interested. So uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, so far, they've they've been running. Uh, they've been using the excuse that it's just people like um, you know getting their yayas out because they've been uh, locked down for an entire year. <laughs> And you know they're just you know they, they just need to shoot some people, man, just just to feel normal again. Maybe that's true. Who knows? Well,
0: generative um, energy podcast kicking things off in an uplifting spirit as always. <laughs> well, uh, listen,
1: uh, the thing I-, I value realism I know, way so more
0: than, than optimism. So do I. I think that's what makes uh, our conversations work because we both are. Well, uh, did you happen to watch the David Martin stuff that had come out recently? Or I don't even know if it was. Right. Maybe oh, the was-
1: YouTube video, yeah, like yeah. the the way he basically like. Uh, well, I mean, it's pretty much whatever we've been talking about with Ray over the last uh, I don't know year or something, that right? That is,
0: compl- he just synthesized
1: it really well. That
0: yeah, that's the thing, and so he's coming at it from a patent point of view, and he and. Uh, I mean, he has the most amount of evidence, I think, of any person putting this together, you know, and because a lot of it's conjecture and, and theory based on relationships and things like that. But he has all the like going back to two thousand six or whatever, and then in one of that one of those videos, he said the they've been wanting to vaccinate the population for like for the last twenty years, you know, and and, yeah. and then yeah. they they finally put it together uh, in two thousand twenty, I guess.
1: You know, I found out though that like videos like that don't. Don't actually work on the crowd that's that's oh. believes everything is 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 fine. Yeah. What did work though is that like that study that I sent you, that posted on the forum that eighty two that calls eighty two percent miscarriage in um in in women who vaccinate before the last trimester. Um, I had conversations with like two doctors and another friend of mine. They're like hardcore pro Biden. Like uh, you know you're a crazy conspiracy theorist, Georgie. Like uh, <laughs> <laughs> you you belong in a straitjacket and whatnot. And basically like like that's actually the one thing that that they were willing to listen to because we looked at the numbers and I said what what do you make out of this and the only thing that they that could come back was that well uh, assume you know it will be really scary they basically said well it's just a, it's just a hundred and I don't know what how many people it's not a representative sample right uh, we need bigger studies but they're saying like that's they actually were willing to listen to that I said dude if that gets confirmed in an, in a larger follow-up study, they're saying, like, the two doctors said they will definitely stop recommending the vaccines, and they themselves, like, basically, they haven't been vaccinated yet, um, and and they, they probably won't. Um, that kind of stuff where you basically show official numbers, and then I showed them the debunking, right? Because the Snopes or whoever ran, like, a debunking saying, like, no, this guy is lying. It's only 13%. Yeah, if you take all, like, the entire 820, I don't know how many women, right? But if you look at the, you know, if you break it down by trimesters, when the women got the vaccine, mm-hmm. the ones, the only reason the numbers came out good and comparable to the general population is because the vast majority of women got the vaccine in the last trimester. But the ones who got it in the first two trimesters, like 88% or even more, like, uh, miscarried. Um, and basically, like, the, I could tell, like, these two doctors who normally don't even listen to me. I mean, we have we have, like, a friendly chat, but they're always dismissive. It's right? so like, oh. Whatever, like another conspiracy theory, right? And then when they looked at the numbers, you could tell that they're spooked because their expression on their face has changed, uh, and they said, "How is how is this possible? Like, why why isn't this all over the news?" I'm like, "It is all over the news," but by but all the all the mainstream news media is saying like basically like this is a lie. People are spreading misinformation, uh, and they said, "Well, um, it's not a big enough sample to like stop the vaccine, but if this get if this gets confirmed." Um, it's, it, it would be really scary. I mean, that, that's the only time when I actually managed to get through to somebody because it was hard data, and they were they they actually they had seen the study themselves, right? Uh, and they're the ones who brought it up. And then when we looked at the actual numbers inside, they said, "How is this possible? Why isn't this uh, all over the news?" Well, you tell me why isn't this all over the news? Um, and uh, yeah, so that kind of stuff you can. You can kind of get through people. You can see they were visibly upset, right? And it's not at me, but like, they were like, wow, something, this isn't right. <laughs> um, but, you know, if you try to show the video, uh, what was his name? David, what, David the, what was the guy? David E. Martin. Yeah. So like, it's it's all like adding pieces to the puzzle, but nothing, not really like smoking gun in the sense of that it's irrefutable evidence. It's all like, here's the story, the backstory to why this may be happening right now. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Most people who don't want to believe it, they'll say, ah, oh, it's just conjectures, right? But if you point to an actual study with numbers um, and you show them like that basically women are, are miscarrying at a massive uh, rate, um, m- most people, especially doctors, um, would would listen.
0: This was the crazy quote. I-, I wish I could play this sound. Unfortunately, I have this looped right now to where Georgie and I can't hear the, <laughs> the audio from this computer. Uh, don't ask me why. But the quote was from a book. Um, okay, this one, let me... Get this here. Um, okay, and so the quote was to su- to sustain the funding base beyond the crisis. He said, "We need to increase uh, public understanding of the need for medical countermeasures such as pan influenza or pan coronavirus vaccine. A key driver is the media, and the uh, and the economics follow the hype. We need to use that hype to our advantage to get the." get to the real issues. So what are the real issues? (laughs) Investors will respond if they see fit, they, uh, they see a profit, see profit at the end uh, of process. Dazek says, so this is Peter Dazek of, um, oh man, uh, eco health Alliance. And so this guy is not a marginal character. He's like part of the who, uh, and he's intertwined in that big tangle of oligarchs and, um, Medical wasn't he medical like priest. involved
1: with Fauci? Like he was yeah, yeah, running yeah. his
0: like research in China or something, yeah. But so this was crazy because this was back in um 2000. Hmm, we go up here 2015, I think was the year. So, anyways, um, I don't know. People, I think people are like impervious to thinking that any planning goes on, you know what I mean? And so, again, I mean, is this this? About as smoking gun as you can possibly get. Even I'm going to
1: quote Dwight Eisenhower, plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. (laughs) So even though there may not be like a master plan that that somebody has concocted, they kind of have a direction and they're all going in that that direction and helping each other out. So there is definitely planning to how to get from point A to point B, even though they may not be like a master plan of what the end goal is. Well, I guess the end goal, you can always say like it's total control, right? And then, and then you figure out how to get there.
0: Yeah, great stuff. Um, yeah, any other culture story you want to talk about before we dive into articles? <laughs> I don't know what other culture story.
1: I mean, it's like there's nothing really going on here. Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, like there's like a c- consideration to reintroduce the masks, which I'm sure you've already seen. Um, but other than that, I think people have like a pandemic fatigue. They're just going out and drinking and you know having fun and whatnot. Um, but uh, there's this, this tension in the air. That's like something is something something else will happen, and, and nobody really knows. So did you see the internet outages that happened yeah. to Akamai and ev-
0: yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's-
1: FedEx <laughs> was down. Uh, I think CNN was down for a while. Like a, a few of the major sites were down, and the explanation was like it was a uh, uh, it was an outage. Uh, it wasn't a cyber attack. Um, but if you know if they can, it, I, I, I thought it was just a dry run for what's for what's about to what's about to follow. Because if the um, if the public starts to really wisen up to what's going on, like how do you how do you cause total chaos and prevent them from organizing? You shut down the internet, right? Um, it'll take a while for people to actually start using their cell phones and calling each other up and saying, "Hey, let's meet at a local cafe or something." I mean, we're so we're so dependent on the internet at this point that if the internet goes away, I think there'll be mass chaos and confusion and potentially even riots, uh, which may be what the plan is to like cause these rats and then basically say, like, oh, military needs to step in and put them down, and, and that's it. That's your Insurrection Act and uh, and, and the installation of the... Uh, of an open installation of a dictatorship.
0: Are you getting a little bit of popping on your audio, or is it just me? I'm not getting popping, but you're freezing,
1: and I'm freezing, and there's a delay, significant delay between my voice and the video.
0: <laughs> okay, let's stop the recording on my end. It, it looks okay I'm, I'm here, but... Um, Okay, we don't want it that popping because that is uh, really terrible to listen to after the fact. I completely agree with you. I mean, not to beat a dead horse. We've talked about this pretty much every single time we've been on, but it definitely feels like there's something else is about to happen. And then there was this string of cyber attack nonsense. And um, I would put, like, if, if we talk about the cyber attack again, I, I'd push back on Ray a little bit because he said he was hoping that would happen. I think it's going to be more <laughs> more brutal than, than he kind of uh, talked about, like, I don't think it's going to be, oh, everybody go outside and we'll all talk to each other. I think it's going to be something different entirely. I I think he's, I mean, uh, when he said he wants
1: for that to happen, it's kind of like a desperate measure, like a last resort thing. I think he understands that a certain, actually, he's the one who said a a significant, he expects a significant proportion of population to die Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one way or another, like either through the plan or by, you know, through their efforts to disrupt the plan. Um, I mean, like, like, um, and then I think somebody else asked him like in a different interview, and like that then it got posted on the forum, uh, and people were freaking out saying like, "Wow, Ray is like really has a really dark picture." on like, what's about <laughs> what's about to happen? Um, I don't think. I mean, he's not sure. According, and I think like he he thinks that like, well, it, I, I guess if these people are gonna die anyways, you might as well like die for a good cause if the internet completely goes away because uh, it will also disrupt the plan and the propaganda machine of the powers that be.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. It's, uh, no, you're not my therapist, but it is, (laughs) it is, it's hard. I mean, how are you dealing with it? Like it's, uh, I I know some people are going to think we're crazy for talking about this, but like, it it definitely interferes with all future plans, you know? And like, so are you making long-term plans or are you living in the moment? Okay. Yeah. I'm
1: kind of, well, living in the moment, but also like trying to to, to anticipate the near future, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, um, remember like somebody asked, uh, actually it was us, was, uh, somebody asked Ray uh, uh, on the last show, like, how, what can one do to like protect themselves financially from a crash or like, uh, you know, like protect themselves from inflation? And they mentioned like buying a farm or whatnot. And Ray basically said, no, I don't think you can protect yourself. I mean, even if you buy a farm, you'll be okay for a while, but eventually they're going to come back at you with the taxes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and and basically, one way or another, you should, you should start thinking about organizing um, and having, like basically, like uniting life against capital. Because when the system collapses, which is what they're pretty – it's obvious that that's what they're trying to do. Like, your money will be worthless, right? You have a farm. You'll be okay for two, three years. But whatever government remains, it's going to start going after the people who haven't disappeared. Uh, government only exists as a result of taxation; somebody has to support it. Um, and uh, and basically, whoever has any assets left will probably start paying a lot more. I mean, this has happened in every country that has experienced a collapse. Uh, like the the ones that are, weren't truly really part of the elite but had some money, they got decimated. Um, it's very difficult to 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 plan on like. Uh, protecting or increasing your assets, the only thing you can do is, I mean, what I've done is buy a little bit of physical gold, right? Buy a little, you know, the most important drugs. Um, and by that, I mean antibiotics, thyroid, stuff like that, anti-serotonin, uh, and then buy canned food that can, you know, last you a few months. Outside of that, I, I don't think it's worth making any plans simply because situation changes by the minute. Um, and we don't know exactly what what the, what what they may do. Uh, worst case scenario, if their plan is co- completely uh, disintegrates, I wouldn't be surprised if some kind of a major regional or even world war starts. I mean, these people are not going to give up. Um, and, and I think at this point, they're already desperate because a significant portion of the population is openly mocking them, right? So they will try to turn people on each other. But if that fails or at least doesn't produce the needed result um i think the starting a war is the next thing i mean like it's 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 always been the modus operandi so far um it was vietnam then it was kuwait then it was uh, like the 9 11 um and then it was the you know the financial crisis and whatnot and more well, after do you have you noticed that that russia became the like the evil country after the financial crisis <laughs> i actually went and like google can show you um like how many people have searched for a particular keyword like throughout the last two decades or whatnot, um, and basically the searches and the discussions about Russia being evil really picked up after the financial crisis. So it was kind of like a uh, like the the re- reinstitution of the Cold War. I think uh, after the big financial crisis, they couldn't start a new war. So what do you do? You start a Cold War until you're ready to start a real one. And now I think we're in the preparation phases of a new war. Uh, if their plan to vaccinate everybody and destroy everybody's assets doesn't doesn't pan out as well as they want to.
0: I'm hesitating pausing the stream for a second to fix the popping. It, it's, <laughs> it's popping and I'm freezing. Yeah, it's really egregious. Um, this is bizarre. It's, I've tested this 38 times to mitigate things like this, but they always happen on the day of. Um, okay, just uh, let's just go to some music here, and I'm just going to noodle around, and we'll be back in a second the outro. <laughs> okay, and we're back. And we were saying, if I, I will buy a MacBook, a new computer tonight <laughs> to replace this hunk of junk. That's one of the only things we didn't replace. Uh, so that was, a, I, guess I, I guess I thought naively that I could unburden the computer and it would, it would work better. Um, so somebody's saying nobody heard the pop, but it, it was really bad on our end. So it wouldn't even been possible to continue uh, doing that. Um, yeah. Anyways, I will get a new computer and this won't, hopefully we'll never have it again. It's really this computer that's causing so many issues. I'm, I'm very happy though we kind of got it fixed. Okay. Is there, I don't know how I'm going to stitch this episode. Maybe I don't have to stitch it together. Um, what, uh, I heard, What what, is there any other cultural things we need to chat about?
1: I don't think much has changed since the last time we talked about it. I mean, basically... Um just watching how some of these predicted internet outages are starting to happen. And, uh, you know, I'm ambivalent if, if, I, if it will be a good thing or a bad thing, because um, if there's no internet, we can't have the shows. <laughs> so that kind of uh, precludes us. There's no forum, there's no blog, right? Uh, but then on the other hand, like people need to get out of this um, manufactured reality, which depends largely on the internet. Um, and I think Ray has a strong point there. I, I just, I just think it's not, it's not the entire story. Uh, I mean, we don't know. We, we don't know what the social cost of the internet disappearing completely will be. Uh, if that leads to a war, then <laughs> it's kind of a toss, right? <laughs> I mean, you lose the internet, and then you get you know, game war. Um, because I mean, like, have you seen? Have you gone to parties lately? Like, well, actually, you you live in the, you've been living in Mexico <laughs> for years. You go to any party or like a bar in the U.S. Uh, basically, the the social interaction these days is four people or like a few people at a table sitting on sitting at a table. And watching their phones, like they rarely even talk to each other.
0: <laughs> did you see that transhumanist article? This is it. Um, did, did you see this was by Whitney Webb? She was saying the most disturbing things. Uh, like the the transhumanist stuff was really going to escalate quickly. Uh, How
1: though? Like I mean, none of
0: that technology. Okay, it's it's
1: great. I mean, it's it's it looks great on paper. But uh, I, I, after seeing the fiasco of AI, general AI, how Google was caught like uh, lying and manipulating the the PR stint that they did for their uh, uh, assistant trying, like the digital assistant trying to book a reservation in a restaurant. And then they got caught that it was basically everything was scripted. the a the IBM Watson, like the artificial intelligence engine that was supposed to put all doctors out uh, uh, out of business. It failed miserably. They tried to implement it in three or four major hospitals, including the Mayo Clinic. And the doctors hit it and said this thing. Like, I think it killed a few people, too. It said, like, some people had two, had cancers, and, like, they didn't. And now their IBM is getting sued for, like, <laughs> giving wrong diagnosis. So so this whole transhumanist stuff, I, I know that that's what they're, they're, they're dreaming of. Uh, Catherine Fitz said in one of her interviews, like, she quoted Sean Parker, who said, like, they, they're going to live to – all the billionaires are going to live to 160. So for, for all of us peons, the only thing that remains is death, right? But I, if you look at the way Sean Parker looks right now, he does not look very healthy. His face is ballooning, which suggests very high cortisol. Um, and you know, it's just the, I don't know of any of the of the elite that looks really healthy and looks like any he or she is on their way to uh, to living to 160. Um, so it's great in theory, but uh, I've yet to see any concrete evidence that this stuff works.
0: Yeah, just to be clear, I'm not saying it will work. I'm saying they're I think this vaccine is not only a in way to depopulation, but also in an in way to changing humans and whatever. Right, they're testing yeah. on
1: on us, and then if it works, and and they'll find out what works, what doesn't, right? But eventually, they're gonna start injecting themselves with uh, with whatever ways with gene editing technology to change their genes. Mm-hmm. Um, it may turn out to be a competition for the Darwin Awards. Um, I mean. Um, Again, like you saw the results so far for CRISPR, they don't look very promising. Um, like the, the, the few animal trials that, that happened, like I think the animals died shortly after. Um, and in the Chinese, they did like designer babies or something, like and they used CRISPR to edit a, a few human embryos. And then they said that, that the, two of the embryos died quickly, shortly afterwards. So I don't know. Um, I, I think the elite is putting way too much faith into technology that has already been debunked over the last hundred years, this this whole gene editing has to stop. Uh, if they want to, if they want to survive, and maybe, maybe maybe we just let them uh, do this stuff to themselves, and and then they then they check out. There's no need for a war.
0: Again, I'd have to go through this article again. I, I don't think they were necessarily saying that like gene editing was going to create these slaves, but just like in, interfacing with the brain and things like that. And and the most disturbing thing about this article is saying they were specifically targeting children. You know, yeah, and and that was gonna be the a huge emphasis, and so again, like I don't think again, like- g- given that this has been a theme, and all the oligarchs work for a long time, that they will stop at nothing until they create the perfect uh surf slave, you, you know what I mean, and so it doesn't even matter if their ship works or not again, they'll still they'll still impose it on people uh and and, th- and this is a perfect. But I haven't seen any evidence that it even works in animals. I mean, like if anything, you would
1: love, like let's say big agriculture. They would love if there would be a herd of cows that can be remotely controlled and they can be told where to graze, where to go, like how much milk to produce and all of this stuff. None of this, if if this was working, it would already be implemented very widely um, in the livestock business because there's a lot of things that can be improved there. And, And by improving, meaning increasing profit. Um, and and they would have tested it by now because the the same ethical restrictions don't apply, uh, or at least not that they apply to humans, but they certainly don't apply it, uh, to animals. And so far, I haven't seen any any sort of like eye opening result uh, like of changing um, a, a living creature to be more like machine. Um, the only thing I've seen is okay lobotomizing people through constant brainwashing and injecting them with drugs, but none of that really works. It's, it's the only thing is that works is increasing their serotonin levels. Remember the video you showed me people taking LSD versus people who are not taking Mm -hmm. and then the LSD people refuse to follow Mm -hmm. orders? Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure, if you continue stressing people, maybe they'll be more compliant but I don't think the technology is there yet to get us to the point of robots following every order without without even a thought of resisting uh, or or, or dislike.
0: (laughs) This dude and then um, that woman were both Ex DARPA, so I'd push back on that a little bit. They have they have to have a monicum of um, vision of what the future is going to be. Like it, DARPA just doesn't make sure that like doesn't work at all. You know you know what I mean? Like they can't be completely dysfunctional. They have to have some kind of inroad to what they want. DARPA
1: do. was a was a client of mine, and I can tell you that they're, <laughs> that they're extremely dysfunctional. This whole thought, like that, that's the one thing that actually kind of gives me hope. Like most of these people uh, are, are living pipe dreams. Uh, Sean Parker living to 160. Have you seen a R- Ray Kurzweil lately? Oh, yeah, yeah. The guy who is like the he, – he's, he's like the poster. He, he's the global speaker of transhumanism. Uh, and He wrote that book, like Live Long Enough to Live Forever, where he said basically that we're going to reach the singularity where everything is going to merge, right? We're going to merge with the machines. Um, I don't think he's doing very well health-wise or, or, or looks-wise. And I certainly, again, not a single one of these people looks like he's going to make it to to uh, not 160, but even 90. The only two people that that are currently they actually have a, the best chance are probably Soros and and Kissinger, but I, I suspect the the secret to their longevity so far they still look terrible, but but it, I suspect the secret to their longevity is probably has to do with a lot of uh, illegal procedures like uh, like the what was it called the. Uh, A parabiosis, Mm -hmm. like when transferring uh, young people's blood and stuff like that. I don't know if they eat children's, young children's adrenal glands is what the rumor is. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if they do. Sure they do. (laughs) But it's still based, actually, as horrible as that thing is, it's actually based on metabolic principles. Well, this whole idiotic crap about like us merging with the machines and whatnot, maybe they'll be able to replace like uh, lost limbs because there's already, there, there are already some results on that. People who have had like limbs blown off, they went to war. And they came back and they had brain implants, and now they can control like a robotic arm. Uh, That part may be. um, But still, we don't know the long-term effects of that. Like, we don't know what happens to a person who lives with electrodes implanted into their brain for like 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. As you well know, the body doesn't like foreign objects that it cannot incorporate. Um, I mean, that thing may very well lead to cancer or something else, or strokes, or neurodegenerative disease. And again... None of these side problems that are that will come as a result of the transhumanism, none of them even have a solution, even proposed solution right now. The the, the proposition is gene editing is going to solve it all. Uh, so I think it's all a lot of crap. A lot of it is, <laughs> uh, is done for money. But as far as as far as their their hope uh, of living forever um, and merging with the machines, I think this is just stuff that they feed us. I think the ones that really want to live longer are still following the the like the again the metabolic principles. Hillary Clinton is taking thyroid, Henry Kissinger has admitted of having multiple blood transfusions. Um like Soros I think does the same. Um I think they're also doing red light therapy as well. Like the, there have been some some mentionings in the in the in the mainstream media that uh, they have like special light uh, regimen that they do every night. Um, and, and like near infrared or something. So, so a lot of these things that, that we know work, um, you know, like that's what they're doing for themselves. So I think the, they're proposing crap to us, hoping that we'll buy it and we'll go for it. But I think the only thing this will achieve, they're actually testing their technology on us. Um, and I don't have high hopes that any of this will actually uh, result in immortality or, or, or curing any disease. If anything, it will probably generate more disease. Which they're probably saying, well, worst case scenario, we're just going to get richer because the entire population will get even sicker. We're going to keep selling them drugs.
0: Yeah. Just to be clear, I don't think their like POV or point of view works. It's just disturbing that they uh, start. Like, did you see that um, COVID test on the inf- the newborn infant?
1: Oh, that was screaming because they shoved that thing so so far up its nose.
0: Yeah, I'm just I'm. That's like the mental imagery I have of just. And I'm sure that that's not uh, out of line of what what people like that have done in history and stuff like that, but it's just super disturbing. And, and to think that they w- want to trial their transhumanist nonsense on uh, young kids. You know
1: what? I blame the parents because if somebody's obviously causing that much of a pain to your child, and if that person is not severely beaten up, um, and it, you know if you're there and allowing for that to happen – I don't I mean you, you have failed as a parent. Uh when I when my wife gave birth to our two children, I mean I was a I was a nightmare uh, patient to the hospital because as soon as she gave birth they tried to like <laughs> wheel the child away for your comfort and pleasure, so both of you can sleep and then the child will be in the nursing station. And what is going to be happening at the nursing station? <laughs> oh, just the regular vaccines and a few other procedures. And what are those procedures? <laughs> well, uh though so you've already signed a disclaimer. No, I didn't. So they were actually already ready to do the procedures without even checking that I never signed the forms authorizing them to do that. Uh, so needless to say, the child stayed; both children stayed with us. We had multiple attempts of nurses coming in throughout the night and trying to to take the child away. It was it was so creepy. Like I mean, of course, I was so nervous uh, first being a first time father and like even and then the second time still like you know overly excited, right? And then like the nurses will come in every hour to to check up on the mo- on the mother and the child. And every single time, they will try to wheel away the cart with the bassinet where the child was. And every time, I'll get up and say, "What are you doing?" Oh, we just thought like you need a rest, and you know we're we'll, we'll trying to help you out. Did you ask for that? Well, no, but it's policy. Per- it's the policy you signed it in that in that form. I said I did not sign the form, and I've been asking for you to show me a copy of the signed form for the last like twelve hours. Where is it? Oh, uh, we don't want to aggravate you like uh, when the doctor comes in, the attending physician comes in the morning, you can ask them. No, I'm not going to. Show me the form right now. (laughs) So, again, nightmare patient. But at the end of the day, these people are not there to help you. They're there to protect themselves legally and do whatever the hospital procedure is. They're making money. They're taking more DNA data, right? Um, Now, I have to say only one of – Every of uh, entire medical staff that we saw for both children while being in the hospital, the only person who was ever uh, even remotely friendly and actually like felt like a real doctor was a was a guy who was up on his way out. He was actually retired, but they kept him there because he was a uh, such a specialist. Um, and he was 79, so that's the again a uh, el- more elderly person. And he felt like a like this nice caring doctor that wants to help you. Everybody else. Like had this this vicious look on their face. They will storm in. They'll go behind your back. They'll try to like sneak up and like take take the child away. They'll argue with you. They will lie. They will gaslight. They would lie, gaslight, and lie. And I thought like, wow, I I, I you know, because I was I mean uh, I was I was combative and and you know I was the one doing all the fighting while my wife was recovering. But what happens to people who basically like the woman goes there and gives birth and the relatives go home and and leave her there at the expert in the expert hands of the um, of uh, of of the gynecology department. Um, I, I, I don't know I don't know. I mean, I guess that's what happens. You we're seeing the baby getting tortured, and there's nothing the mother could do because, uh, you know, if you've had surgery recently, you're probably still out of it. And actually, they make sure you're out of it. Now I'm starting to suspect <laughs> that all these pain pills that are handing out and encouraging you to take opioids mm-hmm. are because once you take those, you're you're effectively drugged out, and you cannot really put up any
0: resistance. I I just imagine you mid a bite of the bioenergetic Bulgarian beef burger and the doctor coming over to you and you throw in the burger and telling him, no, that's, that's my mental imagery. I
1: wasn't eating anything, but we did get into like pretty nasty fights because, you know, they, well, here's the other thing. Like it's a, so my wife gave birth at the Georgetown University Hospital. So we go there. So it's a teaching hospital, but also you can request that basically during the during the birth, it's only the nurse and the doctor, like no students, no people with cameras walking yeah. in and trying to record the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I was freaked out because this entire crew walked in <laughs> and there were like four people that, that, I'm pretty sure they weren't even medical staff, they were just recording the procedure so they can show it to, they were claiming to show it to other students. Wow. And again, I signed all necessary forms saying like, we want privacy, we don't want anybody in the room except the doctor and the nurse, right? Uh, and God forbid if something happens to the baby, the, the staff from the NICU will, like, will come in and, and try to help, right? And still, like they will ignore you. Like, the stuff that benefits them, they will keep trying to do it until you actually become aggressive. Um, well, not to the point of a physical fight, but you, um, until you stand your ground, they will continue um, and, and, and manipulate and lie and manipulate and lie. And they, they do it and it's like their second nature. Uh, they don't even think about it. It's like that's what they want to do. And, and you're there like a raw material to be processed and harvested.
0: Always uplifting on the Generative Energy podcast here. <laughs> uh, to me, that
1: was actually uplifting <laughs> because I put up a fight. I mean, I the, most of the parents that were on the ward, um, like, I mean, the, uh, I think most of the, actually, the women that gave birth, like their relatives were with them. Uh, like uh, they were waiting while the procedure is ongoing, right? But as soon as the woman gave birth and everything was confirmed to be fine and whatnot, like most of the actual relatives left. Uh, uh, especially uh, during the night. And these women were on their own and all of their babies were at the nursing station. And then when I when I went there, because like they, um, on the second day, they, they came in and they said, well, we need to do some neonatal tests. Well, what are those? <laughs> well, uh, vision, hearing, like uh, reflexes, stuff like that. So we're going to take the baby away. I'm like, no, you're not taking the baby away. <laughs> well, we have to take it away because the when these machines are not in the room with your wife. The baby needs to go elsewhere. I'm, saying, I'm coming too. So they, much to their chagrin and, and con- continuous bitching, I followed them as they were wheeling the baby away. And we went there, and there were like 25, 30 babies, and they're all getting processed. Like they were getting jabbed. They were getting like blood was being drawn out, et cetera, et cetera. And if I wasn't there, the same thing would have happened to my baby, even though officially they're only supposed to be checking um, hearing, vision, and reflexes. Wow. When you see like the equipment that they have there, it's clearly designed to like extract like biological material from your child. They're they're not there to like simply assert and help.
0: Unbelievable! And what year was that? That was was were you full into the health stuff at that time?
1: So 2013 was when my uh, older child was born, mm-hmm. and I was just getting into. Uh, but look, I've been combative my whole life. Uh, <laughs> it's like <laughs> I'm a very angry individual when when I feel like people are messing with me for no reason especially people that think that in a position of authority, and, and after you've caught them, especially lying to you, right? And then it's like, th- then you know the whole trust thing is broken, right? Once you, once you catch a medical professional lying to you or like saying something stupid, um, and like the ones that are really good people, they would apologize and say like, you know, I didn't know or I made a mistake. But the ones that are the psychopaths are basically gonna, again, lie and gaslight, lie and gaslight, lie and gaslight and hope that it will break or eventually you'll acknowledge the authority. Uh, with those people, I'm not pleasant to be around.
0: Maybe that's why we're such a great pair, George. <laughs> <laughs> Are you lighting and gaslighting? <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know. I don't know what uh, make, it makes it so fun to chat to you. I, guess, I think we have a t- similar worldview. And I, I, Maybe I've said this before, but remember when we used to have these conversations before the podcast, <laughs> and then we'd have nutrition, and then the, the podcast would end, and then we'd talk after? I just think yeah. it's funny that these have like, blended together. <laughs>
1: so, i mean it's the powers that be forced these yeah, things to blend together because exactly. the things that we used to to speculate and thought were conspiracies now are part of our lives
0: exactly and that's what some again uh some people uh, anyway i won't get into it anyways okay um because what time do you have to go nine uh ten what time is 45 okay you so you tell me okay what uh were these uh what articles did you have the biggest affinity for
1: it? Well, you know, Luke Montagnier has been saying that the vaccines will cause the variants, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, they, of course, dismissed as a conspiracy. The guy's nuts. Has he taken his antipsychotic medications? What not, what not? It's official. And the, first, the first one, yeah. So this basically, the study uh, conclusively, well, I don't want to say conclusively proves it, but that's the video of Luke Montagnier saying that the, that the viruses will create new variants. Um, and basically the study said, yes, they will. Uh, they're reducing the genetic diversity of the virus, but they're creating feeder, feeder variants. I think it's underlined. It's um, colored in red. The the part that says All that right. it's. Oh, well, I guess I didn't. I did a reader um, thing here. Uh, can you do control it for for f i t t e r? Oh, there we go. Um, from the There uh, we go. Scroll. Yeah, there we go. Mass vaccination may serve as an anti-genic impediment to the evolution of feeder and more transmissible SARS-CoV. COV-2 variants.
0: Do you have a perspective on that? I, I So, again, I don't know anything about this, but somebody said that there is like… Can you m- scroll down a oh, little yeah, bit yeah, yeah, more? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, right there it says, suggesting that these variants may be fetus SARS-CoV-2 lineages. I think what they're saying is that, so the vaccine is triggering, it says it, uh, triggering rampant rampant viral evolution. Uh, but it's but it's decreasing the genetic diversity, so it's selecting for things like the Del- delta variant and others who are basically less less infectious but more lethal. Um, and they're saying that's the the, the study. The, their their argument is like, well, that's exactly why we need to vaccinate more because uh, you know if, if now with the delta variant and others, uh, we basically like it, the vaccine. The vaccine is the only chance. And this study is saying it's the vaccine that what caused the delta variant. Um, but for some reason they continue, of course insisting that vaccination should go on. Um, but it, it, I, I mean, I thought it was a great confirmation of what Montanier has been saying for the last year and he was he was declared uh, a complete uh, maniac um, and, a, and a mental uh, health institution patient. Um, and the study now came out officially and said yeah, that's, that seems to be the case. They're saying it's good news because there will be less the, the new variants will be less infectious. But there will be more lethal.
0: So again, I don't have a perspective on this. I'm listening to David Martin, he said these variants are and maybe Ray agreed with him are are just choosing where you want to look at like the gene sequencing of the virus. They're just like saying, okay, this is a variant, but they're not looking at the entire thing. So does that make any sense because I mean, Kolo, he said, he said that... Uh, what about the variants? They're, he's saying it's arbitrary that they're saying, oh, it's a new variant. They're just choosing to look at like the... Again, I'm going I'm to be... Oh, st- I mean, it's
1: perfectly normal for viruses to mutate. But again, back to Montagnier's point, he said that most most mutations, or actually all the mutations that we know so far, they have never exceeded, I think, more like more than 70% of the genome of the virus. So at most, 70% of the genome will change. And he's saying that T-cell immunity... It's actually, so which means natural immunity. So T-cell immunity actually is is capable of handling that. Um, And he's saying we've never seen a situation where a virus would mutate to the point where becoming a completely new thing so that it's now a threat to the people who have had the previous one. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But this thing now says that because the vaccine kind of uh, uh, steers your immune system towards uh, only protecting for a very specific uh, viral genome sequence, like even a minor change in the in the in the viral sequence will make that that new mutation, even though it may be only like seven percent or less different, right? That will, will make it much more lethal because your immune system is primed to deal with the old version, and all the resources are kind of like gone in that direction. And even a minor change uh, can actually can actually uh, kill you. Um, and I think that relates to the antibody-dependent enhancement as well, because also if the vaccine is not working very well. And you're not producing sufficient amount of antibodies to actually neutralize even the original version, then upon re exposure or actually new exposure to the wild type virus, um, basically, uh, uh, I mean, it, again, it becomes very quickly lethal because the body will try to mount an antibody response, but all of these antibodies will be
0: substandard. Fair enough. Yeah, I don't want to. I'm so. I, I can't articulate what their argument, so I won't even try. I'll just get it wrong. Um, okay, let's. Let's jump to another one of these. What, uh, what, what? Do you the want miscarriage
1: rate. I mean, it, I'm sure you've seen the videos. It's been going on for like ever since the vaccination started, um, and and of course it's been dismissed immediately by the by mainstream media, saying, "Oh, this is just anecdotal. Uh, you, we don't know like what these women, what other things they were doing. Maybe they're doing drugs. Uh, maybe they were about to had a miscarriage, anyways, right?" Um, what, what was I was watching that uh, Aaron Brockovich movie the other night, and I remember there's this great discussion between the two lawyers. The PG&E lawyer came in to to negotiate, right? And when the when the offer was rejected because it was too low, uh, he started saying, "Well, you know what?" Um, uh, they said, "Well, why are you rejecting it? Well, because it's clear that the chromium caused caused all of these cancers and all these problems. And and since you knew about it, I think these people deserve more money." He said, "Many things could have caused this." Bad genes, <laughs> irresponsible lifestyle, <laughs> uh, like poor diet, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, so it's, all these excuses have been thrown at the uh, at the reports of women of pregnant women miscarrying, and this is the I think the first study today that actually looked at the problem, uh, and even though it's a very poorly done study, uh, it, it, even that the data uh, is indisputable. Basically, what it showed that for the women who took the shot. Uh, at least one of them actually even one was enough to actually cause this problem at least one shot before the third trimester before the last trimester so first or second trimester anytime uh during that that period which is what so it's like 40 weeks of pregnancy um that's uh, what 13 13 I'm sorry uh 12 so any any time be, be, before the 24th week basically had at least 88.8% uh miscarriage rate and the only reason, so so what the debunker said is, well, look at the look at the entire group and then look at the, the miscarriage rate and compare it to the general population. So yes, it was in line, right? But it's only because the vast majority of the women in the group out of 827, I think 700 plus took the shot in the last trimester. And it turns out that those women did relatively okay. So because of that, of, of those women, the, the total miscarriage rate was close to what the general population miscarriage rate is. But if you if you break it down by trimester of when the vaccine was taken, essentially at, at least 88% uh, I'm sorry, like all, all the women who basically took the vaccine in the first or second trimester, even one shot, had an 80 at least 88.8% miscarriage rate and that by the way is a lower bound because if you look at the numbers, they reported miscarriage rates um like before the 13th week, that's 96 of them. And basically, like the, then, then they then they looked at the vaccine, and it's basically the first and the second trimester. So there is a gap between the 13th and the 26th week, where you could have had more, even more. Uh, there, there could be more spontaneous abortions. Uh, in other words, miscarriages that they weren't counted. And if that's the case, that number 96 will go up. So it's at least 88.8 uh, percent miscarriage rate.
0: What's nuts is like I just feel like a few months ago they were talking about like possibly giving pregnant women the vaccine and then possibly giving children the vaccine and it just like it just went by so quickly. Yeah, there's not even possibly. It, yeah. so at this point, it's
1: considered, considered completely normal. But um, a few, so of, a few of my wife's friends basically like uh, they they apparently they they lied to to the vaccination centers that they're pregnant in order to be fast tracked and be able to get the vaccine. This was like back like when it was first starting to get distributed. And I thought, wow. I mean, it's like, so it's like, to them, they didn't even know actually. I mean, I I don't want to say they were stupid because after they realized that the vaccine is experimental, so this is how how well propaganda works. Uh, Most people who are taking the, the vaccine, they do not know what emergency use authorization is. And they're firmly convinced that this is fully approved vaccine that has undergone all of the necessary clinical trials and has been proven safe and effective. Number one. Number two, they don't know that none of the clinical trials actually tested for any of the important things that yeah. a vaccine should do, <laughs> prevent death, yeah. prevent severe disease, prevent transmission, or prevent retransmission, none of these things. And and you can't really uh, fault the pharmaceutical companies because they say in their brochures that the only thing the vaccine was tested to do is to whether it reduces symptoms. Yeah. But the symptoms for the vast majority of people are mild, right? So you're taking an, a non-fully non, non, non fully approved vaccine that gives you actually a not very big absolute risk reduction of reducing specific. your symptoms, not reducing your chance of dying, not reducing your chance of getting severe disease. And apparently all of this, even though it's the out spe- there in the open, the propaganda has been so effective in covering it up that the vast majority of people that I've talked to that have had the vaccines, they haven't heard even one of those things. Um, not to mention some of them are combative. As soon as you try to like, bring up that the vaccine may not be what it's what it's cranked out to be i mean some of them get get uh not violent but they get like very angry and you get into a fight uh but the ones who weren't angry the ones who you know when uh just wanted to know more um they were they were shocked when when they heard that these things are there and they checked confirmed and they said well how is this possible why isn't this all over mainstream media i don't know you tell me why <laughs> maybe because it's not mainstream media it's it's the R, just the PR arm of the financiers or whoever whoever is running the show.
0: What's crazy is this. This was an article in um, uh, Forbes that yeah. a, a Harvard doctor. Um, not that Harvard matters, but he was making a lot of too much sense. You know, uh, he said these vaccine trials are testing to prevent coma, uh, com- <laughs> cold symptoms. Symptoms. <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> Clearly focused on eliminating symptoms of COVID nineteen and not infections yes. themselves. Dot dot dot. It appears that all the pharmaceutical companies assume that the vaccine will never prevent uh, prevent infection.
1: Worse, it will not prevent exacerbation of your symptoms. Mm-hmm. And it will not prevent death. So I, I thought the whole fear-mongering was related to the fact that, oh, if you catch this nasty thing, you're done, right? Especially if you're an at-risk person. Well, none of the vaccine trials uh, were designed to actually test for that. Oh, and by the way, the, it was a recent, uh, I think it just got posted today on the forum. There is a clinical trial that actually will test right now it's, it's recruiting people, it's recruiting participants that will test whether the vaccine actually prevents infection and or reinfection. Guess who's running the trial? Fauci. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what he's, he's getting in return for being the spokesperson for this whole thing. Maybe, like I mean,
1: a, probably like an artificial heart, high ranking like free, kind of
0: Freemason position.
1: Yeah. Free, <laughs> well, no, I, I think at this point, like, I mean, even the Freemasonry is probably just like a ticket to get into the club. But the <laughs> ultimate reward is immortality or, you, you know, whatever they sell you is immortality.
0: Unbelievable. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's just do, because we're really running out of time here, let's uh, do a talk about, or can, Georgie, can you tell us about Idealabs? what do you want
1: to know still afloat (laughs) still irritating people like medical professionals worldwide (laughs) Um, I mean uh, while we're starting a new study uh, with vitamin B1 and B3 um, for a very um, it's a human tumor lymphoma uh, and uh, I work with two labs one in Bulgaria that's the Bulgarian Academy of Sciences who uh, basically are very cautious about, uh, uh, about working with me because apparently my ideas are too controversial and causing a uh, <laughs> uh, 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 irritating people, uh, established doctors even in Bulgaria, <laughs> even though I'm paying them, they they still they're starting to get suspicious because some of the results came back better than their established drugs that they 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 designed, and that's not a good thing. <laughs> who is this person who doesn't even have a medical degree dare to come in here with his quinones and and you know and 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 progesterones and DHEA? And dare to like uh, beat our results. Okay. Anyways, but the Chinese lab, um, I asked them like, "What's the uh, like? What is the most lethal tumor model that you have?" Um, it's they all they all tumor models, they all xenograft models. So the the results should should apply to humans, or at least be you know fairly fairly transferable. And it's a type of lymphoma lymphoma line called jeco one, J E K O one. So we're gonna test the vitamin B one and, and B three combination. And see what we can do there. And I'll, I'll probably test. Um, I'll try to test a few of the uh, the things that Pete has uh, already has a great hope uh, for in terms of like stopping cancers, like lidocaine, um, like some other quinones, like maybe thyroid, aspirin higher dosages, um, and see if we can uh, make a dent. Because uh, if uh, it is considered the most lethal of the human tumor models in rodents, so if we show some result there. Um, you know, it will be, um, I've kind of given up on publishing like in, in, uh, every single study that I do because we're getting pushback from every single journal. Like we went to like less, even less reputable journals. I suspect at this point, the vast majority of them are owned like one way or another, even though if not directly owned, they're getting some kind of a money. I think it's from advertising. Uh, And basically, if you try to publish things like we're still trying to push the DHT study on prostate cancer, Mm -hmm. Um, even the two journals that are uh, out of 11 that originally said, yes, we'll review the paper and potentially publish it. Even now they've come back and said, we don't want to risk like it's basically too controversial. You need to include a control group that had estrogen treatment or became otherwise chemically castrated because it's. It's it's the standard of treatment for prostate cancer. I'm like, well, who cares? The results are good. The HD is good. It's great. They're like, no, we cannot have that by itself. It has to be. It has to be compared to something else that that you know that will be acceptable. Otherwise, no.
0: There has to be some naturopathic or orthomolecular journal or something that will publish. But what even if even if you just got the raw data and put it out as a paper or a PDF, do you think that would? That's still that's what we'll do. It. I mean,
1: basically, if we cannot publish it, uh, the only reason I haven't done that yet on the forum is because. Most of the journals have a rule like if you've already put it out in the open, uh-huh. it cannot be published as an independent article uh, okay. uh, under them. So it's like so. We're, I still have some, a tiny sliver of hope that we'll manage to publish it somewhere. Uh, maybe we'll find like one of those corrupt journals that the that the uh, <laughs> mainstream science is railing. It's like oh, all oh, they're doing is conferences and like and publishing unproven stuff, which tells me. They're probably doing something good. If you're attracting the ire of of Elsevier and Spring, <laughs> then you're probably publishing some good things. <laughs> Maybe a lot of quacky things too, but probably some good ones as well. Because if if you if you're fully a quack, they wouldn't care about you, right? You're not a threat. Uh, but you, if they're worried and like and railing against you, especially in mainstream media, uh, you're probably threatening profits somehow.
0: Agreed. Oh, okay, so let's mention IdeaLabs one more time before we uh, get out of here. I do coaching at patreon.com slash Danny Roddy. And you can follow both of us uh, on uh, Georgie at twitter.com slash hate it and me Twitter tw- twitter.com slash Danny Roddy. And guys, check out the um, Telegram. You can see it right under here. Uh, follow that, you know, because that's where I've been putting a lot of effort and pu- I am putting things on that channel that aren't on other places because um, either limitations on character count or content upload and things like that. And so if you're even vaguely interested in the content we have here, I think that telegram channel is a good follow. And also usually I do update <laughs> that telegram when we go live this time. I did not. So I apologize, but I I, I usually do. And um, let me get James Corbett's face out of here. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's go through a few more articles. We'll talk about idea labs again. And then, We'll wrap it up. You know, apologies for the tech problems. Uh, live and learn. I didn't think that computer was going to go haywire, but it did. Um, and we'll and we'll fix it uh, for next time. And and next week, Ray Pete is going to be on. Uh, so that is always fun. Okay, Georgie, what other?
1: Um, I like the one uh, vitamin E. It's better than <laughs> better than uh, Rimdesivir. Like oh, yeah. do you see that, yeah. So not only is a hundred times more potent, but basically no side effects. It, it was alpha tocopherol. There was the there was there was the active uh, uh, substance because they tested a few esters because they said oh uh, the 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 old story uh, the regular tocopherols are very lipophilic uh, they were, they cannot really be used in research we need to uh, like we need something more water soluble uh, because they were doing in vitro studies and and actually that's kind of true uh, because these are cellular cultures and the medium where these cells grow um, is actually water based right. Uh, you need to dissolve albumin and nutrients like glucose and other things. And so basically the, the, the BSA, bo- uh, bovine serum albumin solution, it's water-based. So if you put tocopherol in there um, in its natural alcohol form, um, it is very lipophilic. It will not dissolve. And uh, if it gets into some cells, you'll selectively get into a few of them uh, and not be able to properly disperse um homogeneity and, and affect all the cells. So they used a few water-soluble versions, like uh, the, the tocopherol succinate and tocopherol phosphate. But they confirmed that it was the alpha tocopherol that was act- the, act- the active factor. Um, and uh, a concentration as low as uh, uh, 10 micromoles per liter, which can be achieved with like 75 international units daily, um, that was that inhibited the replication of the virus by more than 90 percent. Just, just as importantly, it was effective against the entire family of coronaviruses, not just SARS-CoV-2. So there you go. There is, your, there is a solution to all of the worries about the new variants, fitter or not, right? Uh, and all the mutations that Fauci keeps keeps scaring us with um, uh, from the TV screen. Apparently, alpha-tocopherol is all you need, or just probably in general, just the cofferals, mixed tocopherols should do, should do just well. And last but not least, it was 100 times better than remdesivir. Uh, the darling, that uh, the darling of the farm industry, that now is is actually enjoying multiple multi-billion trials around the world. And they're hoping to get it approved uh, for treatment of of COVID-19 and potentially the other mutations that are that are that are coming our way. Freshly synthesized in Fort Detrick, Maryland. Uh,
0: w- seriously? It was.
1: No, I'm saying like no no, not remdesivir. I'm saying like the oh, new variants. Oh, I thought you said remdesivir I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> saying tongue in cheek, freshly <laughs> synthesized and released from from your from not, not far away from here, maybe about 15 miles from here, Fort Detrick, Maryland.
0: What, what is Remdesivir? Like it, is it a pill or
1: what? Uh, I think well, I don't know if it's a pill, but it's like something that I think they tried for HIV. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still have high hopes that it will become part of the cocktail that they're using. Mm-hmm. They're all these like antiretroviral drugs that have been repurposed. Um, to 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 uh, because initially, as, as long as you hear the vir at the end, it is some kind of an antiviral. Um, and most of them came from research on HIV, uh, because they thought like if it works on HIV, which is this nasty virus, um, that that is really shouldn't be infecting people because it's a retrovirus, anyways. Um, they thought that like if it works on HIV, it should be usable on, on uh, uh, many other viruses. Um, and I think Rindisi right now is because it's out of patent. They're trying to get it approved for SARS-CoV-2 because it's, it's, it extends its lifeline and it, it can make, again, it can make more money. Because if it gets approved for a new condition, even though it's still a viral condition, then even though the patent protection has expired, it can get extended. Um, and nobody else can can uh, can sell it for a while. I think FDA can extend it for like five years if it's out of patent, but it's approved for a new condition um, and, and prevent other other companies from manufacturing it and releasing it as a generic ingredient. While at the same time, I've seen—I'm sure you've already seen the news—FDA banning NAC and acetylcysteine um, Now suddenly they came out an of nowhere and said, "Oh, this, by the way, was approved as a drug back in the '70s to treat." Um, mucus buildup in your lungs and your upper airways as a result of a respiratory tract infection. <laughs> so it's already a drug. We kind of gave you, like, we were nice enough to allow you to sell it without prescription for all these years. But guess what? That's over now. And they called Amazon and said, you got to pull all the, all of, like, every single vendor that sells it. Uh, you need to force them to pull it, to, like, remove it from their catalog. Um, and uh, Amazon
0: did. If the kind of bioenergetic view talks about uh, keeping your tissues intact and, and making them less susceptible to viral or fungal or bacterial um, infiltration or something, what, what does the the standard medical model, what do they do for viruses? Like if, if it's a drug, what is it? Do you know what it's doing? Or or well,
1: t- it either, either attacks the virus directly or basically attacks the replication mechanism inside of the cell.
0: Mm. And is there any... And, and how does it do that? Does it have the virus take up something or or what?
1: Oh, it's it's usually pretty toxic. I mean, basically, if you if you're going to be um, uh, messing with the transcriptase enzymes inside of the cell that, that are dealing with like like uh, reproducing the virus based on the genomic material of the virus floating around in the blood and entering the cell, uh, all of these have really bad side effects. There was, I think, to this day, there's still a lawsuit ongoing, which which uh, has been delayed for many years, which said that most of what we call AIDS. Was actually side effects to uh, what was that original drug that was approved for HIV? Uh, ATK, still ended in VIR. ATK uh, or something? Yeah, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and well, by now it's a cocktail. But basically, it's been demonstrated that people dying from AIDS, oh, I think, without a single uh, uh, zidovudine. Yeah, if you look at it, at the side effects of zidovudine uh, basically it can cause pretty much any type of cancer. Pick a cancer, and and this thing is a risk a risk factor for it. Do control of cancer. Yeah.
0: In the 1960s, a theory that most cancers were caused by envirom- uh, environmental retroviruses gained clinical support. This sounds like it's treating. Um, uh, yeah, but if you keep reading
1: down, basically you'll say that that it, there, there's a um, there, there's there's a, a association of like several lymphomas and leukemias. Um, and uh, anyway, it's like the lawsuit that I'm talking about was, was that they noticed that every single person who officially died of AIDS. Um, especially the ones that were in the hospital, without exception, all of them were under treatment with either this drug or, or like the latest combination of antiretrovirals.
0: Yeah, this is like the least read repeat article on the planet—the <laughs> one about HIV. Is it? I feel like it, like it's it's like, flies so under the radar. I feel like um, talking. I mean, not to go off subject here, but talking about. People with the so-called amino deficiency have, like, super high levels of polyunsaturated fat in their blood and cortisol and… Yeah, and estrogen. Yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Mm -hmm. The AIDS, uh, I mean, they're considered a disease, but the phenotype of AIDS is indistinguishable from advanced cancer, um, diabetes, like, basically all of these diseases, like, in the latest stages. The wasting syndrome that AIDS patients with advanced AIDS have, it's indistinguishable from, from cancer and type 1 diabetes. Um, it always reminds me of like when Ray said that his father was basically when he had like the, he had diabetes and he was wasting away to the point where he weighed like 100 pounds or something mm-hmm, at some point mm-hmm. uh, until he started using uh, uh, what is it called Brewers? Brewers yeah, yeah
0: Yeah. Awesome. Okay. 9.30. You said 15 minutes? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's uh, go through. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> Didn't mean to have those tech problems. Uh, we'll be back again next week with Ray Pete. And I, whatever I did fix the problem and I, I'll remember what that was and we won't have it again. And also I'll buy, I'll literally buy a new computer. Um, Okay. Uh, okay. Another
1: week. <laughs> uh, hold on. I'll, I'll,
0: I'll okay, turn on the light. Time. Guys. Thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate it. Uh, are you going to turn the lights on? Yeah. Okay. The Maybe the intense exercise causes mitochondrial damage, didn't even it, in elite athletes. Didn't we, we talked about that last time. Guys. Thank you guys so much. Oh, sure. uh, sincerely appreciate it. Give this episode a like. Uh, really Helps us out, you know, um, share it if you feel compelled to do so. Again, you need a new computer and I need a new office.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, your, your or lights, new lighting system your or lights going off really is not really as like bad me.
0: as this hunk of junk uh, Intel <laughs> Mac, the worst, worst, per- worst purchase I've ever made in my entire life. And if, for anybody that's a nerd, this whole stream is being run off a $1,000 um, MacBook Air that's doing significantly better than my $3,500 um, MacBook Pro. Anyways. Okay. Uh, uh,
1: that thing that says vitamin improves ovarian reserves in women with fertility, yeah. it's, a, it's a typo. It's actually vitamin D. Um, sure. I don't know if I've corrected it. I haven't corrected it on the blog. I need to correct it. There's a typo. But anyways, um, there, was, there were a few studies that came out recently about DHEA, uh, drastically improving fertility in women, especially women over 40 that have been having problems getting pregnant. Um, and uh, they, they don't know how it does that. Um, I think the obvious explanation is well. First, it blocks the DHA is a known anti-cortisol agent, right? It, when used in the proper dosages, actually has been shown to raise progesterone levels in both men and women. Um, and they uh, they're still struggling to explain the mechanism, but it's prometabolic and it's known to activate the uptake of cholesterol inside of the cell, um, which usually leads to increased uh, synthesis of of steroids derived from cholesterol. Uh, but again, DHEA has risks, right? If you use the, unfortunately, the the protocol used in women is, is still not approved for you know, for improving female fertility, but many fertility centers are aware of the research and they're prescribing it. The dosages used are in the 25 to 50 to 100 milligram range daily, depending on like how severe the situation is. And at the, at those doses, the absurd dosages, uh, you're running a, a risk of actually causing more problems than solving because you'll, Clearly, like massively raise estrogen as well. So vitamin D doesn't have those risks, right? Uh, well, of course, not if you ask like the group that's that's hating on vitamin D. But uh, if you're okay, if you, if you're if you think if you're okay with using some vitamin D, I I think you will be less risky than mega dosing DHEA. And that study demonstrated because I compared the numbers between the DHEA studies and the vitamin D, and it had better results at at a dosage of 50,000 units weekly, which is pretty conservative. That's the typically prescribed dosage for treating vitamin D deficiency. Uh, if you go to a doctor and your vitamin D is low and you ask for, for a prescript, um, you'll probably get like a uh, like a 50,000 uh, unit weekly prescription for D2, for ergo calciferol. I'm sorry, for calcifadio.
0: Huge. Do we talk about this yet? I, I can't believe it if we haven't. Um, huge shout out to Kate Deering who did... Such an amazing job interviewing Ray, and you didn't have a chance to listen to this, did you?
1: Well, I, I thought he defended, like, he basically answered every criticism about, like, uh, oh, it's going to cause hypercalcemia, oh, like, did, you know, it's going to raise calcitriol, right?
0: He, he eviscerated every single anti-argument that I've ever heard systematically going through it, and, you know, Ray was on fire, but... um Kate was equally good because she did her homework and and asked him every single question you could possibly think of. And so probably whenever this uh, was published, probably two weeks ago, I think if you want a coherent bioenergetic or thyroid uh, contextualized with energy production argument for taking or using vitamin D, and that's not to say all vitamin D supplements are perfectly safe. You know, they can be irritating. You might have to use it on the skin. You might have to find one in olive oil or something. Um, so, so that's always a caveat with every single supplement, but I thought this was just a, a masterpiece and it will be my go-to uh, podcast forwarding people that have questions because, because every single one I can possibly think of was answered here. And I thought they did an amazing job. Huge shout out to Kate Daring and uh, of course, Kitty Blomfield at the win at life podcast with Ray. Anything, anything else on that?
1: <laughs> on the vitamin D? Um, no, I mean, like, I mean, I, I, I think it's like a fifty thousand units weekly. It's, it's about, it's, it's one of the safest treatments. Even though it officially, has like the female infertility, um, or, or specifically diminished ovarian reserves. Officially, has no treatment. It's considered uh, inborn. Uh, basically, you were born, you, you, you were born with like insufficient number of eggs, and there is nothing that motor medicine can do for you. If your female wants to become pregnant and it's not working, I think vitamin D and a little bit of DHEA may be able to resolve the issue.
0: Great stuff. Okay, we're wrapping up here. about ten more minutes. Um what is there an article you really to talk about really quickly, if I could speak correctly. Which one? Uh oh. Another article or like uh Then we'll close with ID Labs. Any any that you could talk about real fast?
1: Let's see. Oh, the aging is an energy yeah, deficiency yeah, yeah, yeah. problem? That's, that's I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, again, confirmed, I mean, there's multiple confirmations already, but this one's pretty good because it actually reversed aging in worms. <laughs> I have to specify that it's in worms. Um, by feeding them cardiolipid. Um, and a really great article that basically describes everything we discussed with Ray, Say that with aging, cytochrome C oxidase function declines, the the, the composition of cardiolipid changes, but also the levels of cardiolipid decline as well. Um, and I think the it's a great... Testament to the to the role of energy energy deficiency in agent because the production of cardiolipin actually directly depends on ATP. So it's really like a like a cycle that is formed. Less ATP, less cardiolipin. Less cardiolipin, less ATP. Um and, and basically this study showed that if you simply feed the worms cardiolipin, and I checked the form of cardiolipin that they use, they get it from a company. Um, and I think it's bovine heart cardiolipin. And because it's from a from bovine, I suspect its its a composition is mostly saturated fat, specifically palmitic yeah. and stearic acids.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, isn't it naturally palmitic acid that makes up cardiolipin?
1: I think palmitic and stearic, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but it's good that they got it from. Uh, it was like bovine heart cardiolipin. Uh, most companies that sell it, it's either it's either like um, um, basically like synthesized from like soy oil or something. Um, or they will get like a chicken heart cardiolipin, and the chicken one tends, tends to be much more saturated in structure. Uh, and it was a good thing that this study used the bovine one, so we can kind of say that it's, it's, the, it's the fact. that It didn't simply su- such, uh, supplement with cardiolipin, it with, with supplemented with a saturated version of the cardiolipin. That's probably what's responsible for the effects, because there are multiple studies with chicken heart cardiolipin, and they, they did not demonstrate lifespan extension effects in worms.
0: Yeah, I'll just read this real fast. Uh, Cardiolipin is a phospholipid, dot, 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 found almost exclusively at the level of the inner mitochondrial membrane where it is biosynthesized under, dot, 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 under thyroid hormone regulation, dot, 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 a specific and tight association between cytochrome C oxidase and cardiolipin. So in short, uh, cardiolipin is a saturated uh, phospholipid near the mitochondria that uh, as its saturation decreases and is um, replaced by unsaturated fat, the activity of cytochrome C oxidase Uh, Reduces and cytochrome c oxidase is uh, imperative to transfer electrons to oxygen, and so Ray has put a lot of specific focus on these two things, and they help clear. It's the last step of oxidative phosphorylation. It's
1: the one that's most vulnerable to inhibition. Yeah. Um, I mean, you you can you can get things like if you have excessive fatty acid oxidation, uh, you can get like complex two inhibited, right? Because it's consuming the FAD, so you can't really carry from complex one to complex two. But it, this is more like a temporary inhibition, right? So you can kind of kind of combat that by by raising decreasing the amount of fat through uh, by inhibiting lipolysis, increasing dietary fat, increasing glucose consumption, etc. But the, the the block that usually happens at cytochrome C oxidase level. It's either something nasty like nitric oxide, which combines, forms a very strong bond, and then, like, very few things can actually destroy that bond, or it's a structural inhibition, which is depends on cardiolipin, and if cardiolipin levels decline or the composition changes from saturated to unsaturated fat, it's not something that can easily remediate, um, you know, like, like you can do for complex one and complex two. So you actually take concerted effort to increase the consumption of saturated fat, and I think Ray has this... Uh, Article showing that uh, basically, like feeding old rats fully hydrogenated peanut oil, uh, which then becomes not an oil but it's a solid fat because you you're converting it from linoleic and, and 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 linolenic acid into the equivalents, which I think are steric and and arachidic. Um, basically, they, they reverse the decline of mitochondrial function in very old rats, the two-year-old rats which were about to die.
0: Oh, you just broke up. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm Okay, cool. okay sorry. Um, yeah, i was reading read this because I like what it says. Uh, Pufa and mitochondrial cardiolipin are attacked by mitochondrial-produced uh, reactive oxygen species. Cardiolipin is the most sensitive to the ROS-induced peroxidation. This means that its peroxidation initiates a chain reaction setting on fire other membrane, uh, how do you say that, constituents? Constitu- constituents. constituents. Uh, I just like the imagery of setting the mitochondria on fire for <laughs> the cardio. Uh, well,
1: yeah, yeah, this peroxidation <laughs> reaction basically, you, you you can continue like a chain reaction across the entire cell, at least in the outer layers, which are known as the as, as a as a lipid bilayer, right? But it's not; it's just a just the fats that are that are that are in the outer. Uh, what should I call it? the outer Cytos- clouds of the of the cell S- S- skeleton? or uh, The outer regions of the cell. Yeah, if those are po- polyunsaturated or susceptible to peroxidation, um, if it's something starts at a, one portion of the cell, can actually spread uh, a- anywhere where PUFA exists.
0: Okay, uh, chat about. Somebody wanted you to talk about camphor um but I, I, t- talk about whatever you want, and just um, maybe mention ideals one more time before we get out of here.
1: Camphor in in what uh, context? <laughs> I um, think
0: they said talk about camphor.
1: <laughs> well, it just contains two ingredients. That if you look at one of them is still actually approved as an intestinal disinfectant. Uh, FDA approved it in the early 20th century, and since then has not retracted the approval. Well, let's see for how long. <laughs> maybe if they realize people are are, are, are taking camphoric acid, uh, maybe they'll change their mind. And the other one is uh, phenyl salicylate, which is a an ester of salicylic acid. Both of them non absorbable, non metabolizable, um, and they basically reach the column unchanged, undigested, unabsorbed. And in the column, I think what happens is basically, the at least the studies, the older studies claim that, first of all, camphoric acid has a direct bactericidal effect, um, while the phenyl salicylate can actually be broken down into phenol and salicylic acid, which in their separate forms, both of them actually also have strong bactericidal effect uh, and antifungal as well. So that's really the rationale behind it. Uh, I don't think they've ever been used together, uh, at least not based on the old studies that I've read. Um, but uh, the the approval for both of them still exists, um, and uh, I just combined both of them into one product, and you know hopefully it will reduce the uh, the the bacterial overgrowth or potentially even such as, something such as candida, which maybe people are convinced that they're struggling with. I think most people may have candida, but I think candida overgrowth that many uh, gurus Nutritional gurus on Instagram are trying to sell people on um, it's not a thing because if you really have a a, a severe candidal overgrowth, you're in a very serious trouble. You probably be in the hospital because we don't tend to react well to a uh, to a fungal infection that's out of control.
0: Okay, let me look for these uh, sticker super stickers uh, and and just do you want to? Com- didn't we already talk about this? Do you want to comment quickly on suramin? Uh, S U R A M I. Oh, suramin. Yeah. It's
1: the drug for they using. They're hoping that they're going to use. It was for. Uh, it's used for sleeping sickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think now they're running some clinical trials with it for autism. Um, I don't. But it, it, in what in what context? Like why 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 discuss suramin?
0: Evan Evan just says uh, question mark suramin question mark. I think it's for About what? COVID vaccines or something like that. I
1: mean, there are many many chemicals that have been tried. If ivermectin, right, the hydroxychloroquine, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, if you're going to try any of these, um, I think the suramin, the uh, ivermectin, and the hydroxychloroquine, all of them have proven uh, nasty side effects, especially in the higher dosages. Uh, keep in mind, hydroxychloroquine and quinine are are structurally very similar, uh, and in fact, the HCQ hydroxychloroquine was it was invented as a patentable version of quinine that, that uh, hopefully could be used for malaria at lower dosages, it did not work out as well. There's actually something called hydroxychloroquine-resistant malaria, which is still vulnerable to quinine. Um, so if you're going to be using any remedy for COVID-19, we, worded, we just discussed the study, vitamin E. Vitamin D is now known to, to also uh, help. Uh, progesterone uh, is now known to help. Uh, what else? Naringin from orange juice. Again, direct study with it. Glycine, a generic systemic antiviral effect also uh, specifically now known to help for COVID as, uh, for SARS-CoV-2 as well. Um, so if you want to use Sermon, I mean, I don't think it will kill you, but there are safer uh, things that are available to us and probably with more systemic effect.
0: Great. Okay. Uh, I didn't mention Ellie last show, Ellie Z for $2. Thank you so much. P- Piotr Bagnuski for $0.99. Cents. Thank you so much, Peter. Piotr. Uh, Linda Bell, Evan Joseph Weiss, hey, brother. Uh, Spencer Steele, hey, brother, thank you so much. Wow, seriously generous, guys. Really appreciate it. This will will be a fun for my yet another piece of equipment to replace this deadbeat computer over here. Um, Omar Martinez for $5, thank you so much. XR, another Peter uh, Bagnuski, thank you so much. Uh, Space99Yak, thank you guys so much. Sincerely appreciate it. Sorry this show was kind of a bust uh, that we had tech problems. You know, I did not. Obviously, think that was going to happen, and so that's kind of a bummer. But at least I learned something, and at least that did not happen with Ray on it, because that would be mega ultra embarrassing. Um, so, Georgie, parting words here. Anything else left to say? Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like
1: this, uh, not much has been going on. It's been a, it's a relatively slow summer uh, outside of the shootings that are happening half a block away from my from my place. Any words of encouragement for our <laughs> listeners? Uh, <laughs> make peace with your creator and like and hang tight <laughs> to the people that care about you and you care about them. <laughs> I'm kind of like on uh, on the same page with Ray on this one. I don't think there's a way to avoid the storm that's coming except like being around people that are that are still that have belief in life and prefer life to technology. Uh, if you're surrounded by people who are really technology centric, even if they're not transhumanist. Uh, but they're like, they think the technology will resolve magically all of their problems if only we comply. Uh, I think you don't need these people in your life. <laughs> and there are plenty of good people left. So just, you know, be on the lookout for them. Usually the ones who are more disturbed and angry are the ones who are actually, you know, still in their right mind, even though they may be suffering from like, uh, you know, truly suffering and like inventing. And uh, but those who are like calm and think nothing's wrong and everything's hunky dory and peachy. Uh, those usually the ones to avoid.
0: Yeah, I I didn't think I had anything to say, but I think I actually do. So I, I know two people here and I meet with them. It used to be once a week. Now it's like multiple times per week. And then we had another kind of uh, original repeat person come down here and we, we met up with them. I cannot understate that if, if you don't have anybody to talk to about this kind of stuff, like talking to Georgie digitally is great, but somebody in real life, you know, yeah. I would... Seek them out as much as possible, however, you could find people because it is like a, it's a, such an amazing thing to talk about this stuff with people in real life, or even just talking about somebody with Ray Pete in real life. It's just, they, person people don't think you're crazy, you know? And so um, I'd really encourage that, and it's changed my life for the better. And I feel ex- extremely fortunate to have those people in my life, and it's really made a big difference. But, um, yeah, and again, Georgie, thank you so much for doing these shows because truly, last week felt odd. You know that we we didn't do one, <laughs> and so I was really excited for this show. Bummed out that the tech went a little haywire, but at least we fixed it and, and moved on. Um, so, anyways, what I, happened with the farm? Uh, it's still oh, it's, moving to the other state. Still material. Oh, we'll talk about it a little bit off the. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much, Georgie Dinkov, my Bulgarian brother. You know, thank you so much for bearing with me and. Doing all these shows, you know, and, and really, really being my partner in crime. S- sincerely appreciate it. Uh, and, and then thank you to the amazing listenership that we have that's so supportive for our small, small little show. Okay, so we will be back next week with Ray Pete. Uh, give this episode a like. That really uh, helps us out. Subscribe to the Telegram. Follow Georgie on Twitter.com slash hate it. Uh, go to IdealFCC.com and check it out. And we will be back uh, next week. Uh, guys. Have an amazing weekend. Thank you so much, Georgie. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody.